the job, like you said, the, the a lot of practitioners will, you know, make specific decisions or, you know, be a different person yeah. in order to kind of save their jobs. And I think that's, that's one thing that I really, really wanted to work in myself as a practitioner since I started. I'm like, I want to be able to be the most authentic self that I could be. So I'm not in that position of actually having to kind of uh, walk on eggshells. Yes, yeah. Just for the sake of like the role. Welcome to this episode with Evie Casagrande. Evie is a performance coach and sports scientist from Brazil who has worked at the top level in professional female soccer. She was recently part of the Brazil team at the 2023 Women's World Cup. And her current position is now interim coach for the Irish senior women's football team. She also leads the sports science department at Lewis Football Club here in Sussex, where I am. She's passionate about not only the holistic physical preparation of athletes, but also empowering young coaches in their own journeys in the world of sport. Through the mentorship she leads, Evie shares her own journey and experiences to provide guidance for young coaches in order to help and support them in their own career. And this is another reason why I'm so excited to have Evie come and talk about her ideas and her perspectives in performance sport. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or Spotify platforms. By doing this, you'll actively help in spreading this content to practitioners that need it. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure you are going to. So without delaying you anymore, here's our conversation with Evie Casagrande. Welcome to episode four and welcome Evie. Thank you so much for, thank you so much for just being open to have this discussion. I'm really excited to, um, to see where it goes. Excited to be here. Thank you. And just for anyone listening, kind of I've, Evie and I lived literally around the corner from each other and we bumped into each other in the, in the street earlier this year. And I've seen Evie kind of obviously on social media, but um, yeah, you're really you're practically neighbours. And so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Crazy how the universe happens. It, uh, very much, very, very much. Um, so I'm, you're the first female practitioner to, to that I'm, I'm talking to an interview on, on this podcast. And I'm kind of especially excited because... Uh, like we spoke about a minute ago, you know, my my the research that I've done has been solely on male practitioners, not because I believe female coaches have got an easier ride. They don't, but it's this that's the lens that I've seen this through and through my own lens. And so that's why I want to bring in kind of you know practitioners like yourself to to give that other side of of, of what's going on. Maybe if there are any nuances to to you know female practitioner. But I suppose the first question, kind of what I'm leading with most people so far is. What were your uh, inner drivers to get you into your career as a performance coach in sport? Mm. Um, well, I started in back in 2000, probably 10, well, 10 when I went to America to play football and study there. Um, but I, actually, I was a, a pre-med at the time. I wanted to go to medical school. Uh, I finished my bachelor's degree in 2014 and I was quite very unsure of the path that I wanted to take of course medical school uh, was something that I always dreamed as a kid maybe because of society and kind of like where I grew up is almost like the big drops right the the lawyer or you know doctor whatever it is um, and 
always loved the science behind it, uh, everything. And my mom had a, a condition uh, near cystic when she was when I was very young. So I wanted to be kind of a neuroscientist to understand what was happening with her, and that was my my kind of drive. But then when I um, had a gap year after my uh, studies in my bachelor's degree in in California, I pretty much got all my stuff and and put in my Nissan 1997 car and then drove to California to just do a year of, uh, of just exploring things and coaching, uh, coaching kids, uh, football, working in hospitals, working in cancer hospitals, interning in research projects and stuff like that. And I then realized, first of all, I wouldn't have the money to pay for medical school in America being, uh, being an international uh, student. And the other part was I really missed the sport. I was gonna. I was actually trying to play pro in uh, in Europe back then. Uh, in the same time, I was studying for the med school, and I just got a sports agent that stole my money and ran away. And then that kind of put me in, put put things into perspective. And my visa was almost kind of running out in America. And then I had to make a decision. So I, uh, the universe always helps in in crazy ways and i got an email when i was in the airport going back to brazil and i was very set to be back um, because i didn't want to leave but um with my sports psychologist from when i played saying that there is a, a master's program in exercise physiology and she wanted me to apply so um i was very interested i applied for it and then i went back to ohio to the school that i graduated from to do the the masters and i fell in love with uh, sports performance i was doing um i was teaching at the same time as pursuing my masters and and being a sports performance coach as an intern uh with the football team that i played and then i fell in love with it and i was like it was almost like a, the closure that i needed not as a player but also a way for me to get that closure was to be able to help athletes to get the tools that I didn't have as a, as a player mm -hmm. and be able to kind of turn that and, and create impact and, and try to be the best that I could in the field to, to push the women's game forward. Um, and I never stopped since then. <laughs> right. I, yeah. You've been on a real, you know, a real ride. Yeah. Kind of where you are. Um, and strangely, my, yeah, my wife is, well, you went to so you, you university of ohio it's ohio it's uh yeah. bowling green state university actually okay, okay, okay. small small town bowling green ohio okay, um okay. yeah um okay so kind of fast forward now to to you know what you've, you've obviously worked at so many different levels of of, of soccer kind of really with this podcast and with these conversations kind of you know i from what I've heard in my research, there's such a drive to keep chasing the next thing. So this, this progression in career, you know, the next role, the next team, the higher team, better, better level athletes, all this kind of stuff. And so how, I guess you have been successful in, in, you know, your, your career up until this day, how, how do you celebrate the accomplishments that you, that you do? Do you, can you celebrate them or you, do you get pulled by the next thing you don't really you don't really focus on on yeah I, yeah mm. yeah it's a very good question because it was actually this past weekend it was the first time that i forced myself to slow down because i felt like the last probably the last 3 4 years um i was just on this 
freaking crazy roller coaster going from one team to the other, going from one country to the other. And first of all, I haven't had time to process anything um, or even celebrate. And I think that's that's where I was like, wow, when I think about it, I'm 32, I'm very young and I'm, you know, I've kind of been achieving everything I've always dreamed of in terms of being where I am. But at the same time, I have this, this feeling as a practitioner that I'm always in a rush and I'm always kind of like going for the, from the next thing to the next thing. And, um, it wasn't, it was not until when I was back from the world cup this year that I, that I kind of stopped to think about what, what are my next steps? Like, what, what do I want to, to go from here? And I think that was a very pivotal time for me this year, because for the first time, I think as a practitioner, I was able to be fully okay. Um, to say no to big opportunities from big roles like in going back to full-time roles in, in big teams or you know and I was okay saying no to them because I was like you know what is my purpose in this field like what it what am I doing like and and I realized that to the core of everything I do there is a, a very big passion on on development and women's development um were the the women's football development mostly um but also for long-term development and i think if i keep going from one thing to the other in terms of full-time roles and and not being able to truly be able to get all the all the other projects that are very close to my heart so like working with lewis um developing um their strategy from the ground up and kind of pushing the boundaries there to develop women's football or work with FIFA and UEFA and big projects that will make that um, available for, for all nations around the world. Um, so I need that flexibility to be able to do that and, and to be able to be truly okay with it and remove myself from that ego part of right. the big role or the, um, the, the kind of like the, the status and mm -hmm. to be okay with that and say, you know what, like I am very clear on what my heart wants right now in terms of where I need to do. And in order for me to do that, I cannot give up those different roles that I have right now. Um, so whatever comes to me, I'll do and say, okay, I can do this as long as I can, you know, still be able to be flexible and work on these projects, um, which for me, yeah, it was quite quite um quite good reflection to 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 do and and kind of a good place to to finally be in um because yeah it, it just consumes you to the point that you just go from one 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 place to another place but then you're not very in sync with what you truly want um i think that's so powerful what you just said you know um you know connecting with your heart connecting where you truly want to connect with your purpose. Mm. And to me, you know, years ago, I'd say, well, what do you mean connecting with your heart? What do you mean? And to me, I, I want, I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on that. Um, for me, you know, like my mind or our mind is, is, is constantly trying to weigh up options, this or that, this or that, this or that. My heart, how I know I'm connected to my heart is 
is a lightness. It's a sense of feeling. It's not words. It's a feeling. Mm. This mm. feels right. Yeah. And I, I wonder how, you know, how, how, what was it the fact, you know, I guess to the backstory, you know, you, you, most of the team were let go after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Was it that, was that, a, a, did that have a big effect on you or were you, were, what got you into sort of really, how have you got connected to that more intuitive sense and that the idea of purpose? Yeah, definitely. I think after the World Cup, it just made, uh, I think the more that, that I, I, I'm in football, I think that you have to create like a tough skin and a separation almost to, because I'm the type of person that I'm very intense in terms of my like connection with people and to what I do. I'm very passionate about, and sometimes it's very hard for me to separate those things to the point that I give my all and I give everything, but then, you know, we all know in sports, it's, it's a brutal world. It's definitely brutal. So it doesn't matter, you know, how good you can be on, on the pitch or how good you can impact uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can control. And, um, and unfortunately that, that situation for me was, was kind of a pivotal point in terms of like, okay, I need to just be able to be a little bit more um, careful from if I'm following my own thing and not others, uh, others, people, dreams or other, or like, I, I, don't want to keep trying to solve other people's problems but i need to solve first my own and i think that's kind of like where i was i was i've always i always struggled with this and not only my professional life in my personal life um to to almost kind of and of course we can always talk about like traumas and and kind of our past and, and it kind of brought me into this place of where I, I I have like almost like a personal duty um, to to uh, create solutions and, and make sure I, you know, I connect to these people, these people or institutions or whatever. So I was like, yeah, I just need to think about myself now. Like, and it was very hard for me to do that because I always think about others. I always think about others first. And, and that's when I realized if I am continuing to do that and, kind of going from role to role, I'm going against my own values of actually long-term development, of actually bringing, you know, something that is very close to my heart. Um, so that's when I'm kind of like, okay, I, I really need to be specific in in, in what projects I'm going to pick um, mm. from. And I, and it was not only until the last weekend that I actually completely removed all distractions to be able to force myself to actually process everything I've, I've been going through the last four years, um, losses and, and like not only in my personal life, but also in sports and things that I've, I had to give up to and all of those things that, um, and to be grateful for everything that is kind of coming to me, uh, even though there it's, it's quite, there's a lot of challenges coming with it, but um, I'm very grateful that I'm in a position to be able to do that, to be able to have different projects, be able to feel at home somewhere uh, in Brighton. That's the first time that I actually feel like home in a place. And so I think that all kind of helped, but of course, I think the the thing with, with, uh, with Brazil and then in the world cup, it, it was, it was very hard um, for me to, as a, as a practitioner, as a, as a, as a, you know, as a person. Um, but, you know, I think it's, 
it was a good closure for me to say, you know, you know, I've I've done everything I could. I've done literally. I gave my all, and uh, it's time to move on, and it's time to for me to just think about myself uh, first and and right. continue that journey. Great, 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 and kind of it brings me on to I, I guess uh, I'd love to know your. And this is a question I'm kind of asking most most of the guests now. Like, what's your definition of success for you? Because mm. you know, if you look at Brazil, you know, the, you know expectations versus right, and I, I don't know what they are, but like the result of a major tournament, for example, or you know, I suppose the coaches have been fired. If or you know how the athletes are doing, for you know, like if that's one measure, and I'm not to say that's that's not a measure to to have in in the picture, mm-hmm. but I think if you know a common statement I've heard from coaches and in, in the research would be I've paraphrased the course, but um. I've supported athletes to reach tournament success or championship success, and I've waited with this emotional rush to hit, and it hasn't come. I thought this is why I do what I do, and so they've pinned all their measure success on the external benchmarks, but it's not been from them. And you kind of touched on it a minute ago. So, yeah, what what, what is your measure of success as a practitioner for you? Yeah, it definitely changed over the years. I think when I was very new to the the field of course i all i thought about was results all i thought about was like if i do x y and z i'm definitely going to get this and it's not how it works and i definitely learned um the hard way that it's it's not i mean nobody really cares about what you do if you if you don't if you don't win if you don't get results and which is that that's the, the brutal part of football and i think that kind of um allow me to have those reflections the last few years and and I think what you mentioned, the feelings, I think that that what is to feel, what is that heart kind of feeling? And I think that's where the last few years I was able to actually feel that for the first time. And what I get, uh, when do I get that is when I'm I'm able to empower my, my players and empower others um, to truly give them everything they they like are able to have access to to be able to be at their best and that not that's not only like physical performance and it's it's more kind of using my own experiences as somebody in the world that been through um whatever i've been through to kind of help them go through whatever they are going through and i think that feeling and and that feeling of development of coming to a place that has no resources that have you know, they, the players have no resources or tools and being able to be the person that kind of like teaches athletes, uh, whatever it is, to be able for them to get that and move on with their lives without me. Um, because that's the point. I think that's where I think we as coaches, and I was like that when I was, um, I just started, it's like, I want to be the best that I can. So then when I leave, they are going to be like, Oh, I miss, I miss this coach. I I want, I want her back. And it's like, no, that's not the point. It's the point is like, can you give them the tools and, and kind of be in the present. So then when you leave, they're able to do on their own and push the standards because you gave them the standards and you kind of like laid out and say, this is the standards that you need to be pushing for yourself. So then whenever, whoever comes after me, if they're not get, getting you to that standard, you're going to be able to go and say, you know what, this is my capability. This is how, how much I know that I can push and I'm not getting that. So I need to push that standard. Um, right. 
So that for me is is success. I think it's kind of being able to empower to that point of 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 impact. Empowerment, yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like that kind of really resonates with me. And I, I think, um, yeah, I just really, um, I guess, kind of from there, you've mentioned so many great things. I'm kind of, I guess, if you're thinking about your career, and you've you've touched on a few elements. Where then has been maybe one or the biggest struggle of your career so far? Kind of what what has been like trying to get get a bit lower and deeper into sort of yeah. Well, like where where is where has been yeah? You're one of your most biggest struggles so far in your in your career as a practitioner. Um, ooh, I think there. I to be honest, I think the the two three years ago. Well, now the Brighton um, women's. I think I, I was in a very terrible place mentally. I, my mental health was all over the place because I was just a workaholic. I mean, I still work a lot, um, but I, I think that I didn't have any balance uh, whatsoever to the point that I, you know, I had a, a huge panic attack that took me to the hospital. And then I was, that was kind of like the, the time where, for the first time, I, I thought because I was in the survival mode for my entire life, I think for kind of making through it. And, you know, I left quite early from Brazil. I was 18. And then you just have to build that tough skin because if you don't, like I didn't want to go back to Brazil. So you, you don't have your family next to you. Sometimes it's just a very lonely journey that you kind of almost feel like you're invincible and not that you feel like you're invincible, but you have to be invincible Mm -hmm. because there's no other way that I'm going to make it through if I'm not, um, because nobody's going to do it for me. Um, so I think that kind of carried over a lot of the years to the point that I couldn't handle anymore. And that's where, you know, and I still struggle with that. I I think I still kind of, sometimes I, I get into this very, um, very kind of methodical objective path of everything that I do is like as a coach is like I need to get here what are the things that I need to get there that you that I noticed that I was kind of worrying more about the future than living in the present and it and that I mean this last few years this past year too like I've been struggling with that um and now I'm finally realizing that I need to kind of take a, a step back and really live in the present and kind of uh, stop that. But I think that's, it's always kind of a learning curve. Everywhere I go, it's, it's, there's something that I struggle with um, that makes me kind of, and that, I think that's what brings growth, but it's not comfortable, is it? Like it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, every time I go through a different role or a different kind of phase of my life, it's kind of, all right, what do I need to get from this? And how, how do I need to, how do I need to move on from, from this um, kind of autopilot mode? And I think that that can happen quite easily when you're, when you're in the middle of all this and, and especially as a consultant, I have yeah. about four to five different projects that I do at the same time. And it's very easy for, for you to don't like you don't stop. Um, yeah, right ever (laughs) so i think that's still a a learning process but uh, yeah i think from from 2021 post-covid uh when i moved out of america in the middle of covid and came to england and 
I didn't really have time to process anything um, mm-hmm, until, mm-hmm. until the last few years. So um, definitely, I think kind of being stuck in the future, sometimes it, it, it takes a toll. Yeah, for sure. Again, another a common saying, like stuck in, I'm stuck in my head. Or yeah. And so many coaches are thinking exactly that in the future, either thinking about stage of Olympic cycle, stage of season, development, uh, career progression, whatever it is, it's still constantly in the future and not being present. And I suppose like, you know, and what do you have, do you have any practices, like whether it's on a daily basis that helps you return to the center? And I say that because one, I know you've, you've gone to a breath workshop that I led a, a while ago, yeah. but for me, someone who used to dismiss when I, when I was really in a pre, uh, pre 2015, I was, I would dismiss anything to do yoga. So, mm. so limited in my perception of life. And um, anyway, my point is since then, you know, grief has put me on this journey and, and kind of meditation, breath work and various other practices that I do daily. Like, I, you know, life is, I still struggle in life, of course, but I can't imagine life without those anchors in my day, mm. both in the morning and the evening for me. That yeah. just helped me so much. And so, yeah, my question is, have you got any practices that you that you lean on? Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to be a little bit better with that. And I think the, the, the most tricky part is when I'm in camp or when I'm okay. traveling all the time, how can I be able to sustain that? And I think that's where I'm at right now is like I need to be able to sustain that. Um, but for me, uh, social media is a big trigger, unfortunately. Like right. it's part of what I do. And then sometimes you have to do it, but um, I try to remove the triggers as much as I can, um, especially when I feel that my book is very full. Um, so remove the triggers and also um, have that time in the morning and before bed that I'm literally an hour to just have a clear mind, just yeah. to kind of like, okay, this is my time to really not think about anything. And my mind goes 100 miles an hour every day all day so if i don't do that and i think the uh, i try to go sauna and cold water immersion at least once because I, I found i found that that feeling that i get from going to a very deep cold water um yeah. and that feeling of like presence that you kind of feel your entire body kind of tingling it's like oh um that was the anchor that I needed. And it was the only thing I think I found nowadays to really like quiet my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out how I, I make this a little bit more consistent, but I think having that time to just not think about anything, not have any expectations of answering messages, answering right. emails and get that, that anxiety of like always having to, Yes. you know, do something and reply to something. And yep. if I can remove that at least once a day, that gives me a little bit of clarity and, and it puts me a little, a little, a little bit of a, a better mode. But it, I think what I found the last few months and um, which I was a little bit kind of going towards that it was a little bit dangerous, it's almost kind of like I was obsessed with working out, obsessed with kind of doing something as a distraction yes and then i realized what am i running from and i think that's when i'm like okay i need to slow it down remove all distractions and be with myself and be okay with myself and my own presence and that's hard and it was very uncomfortable but i'm slowly trying to do more of that because it's it's very easy to just 
use the distractions to kind of yeah. get through it. So that resonates with me so much. I was I was addicted to to exercise and 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 I knew better. Mm. And I was just training like a fool. I like didn't know better and like breaking myself into the ground and breaking my body literally. And and I, and I couldn't see it at the time, mm. but it was a numbing as a numbing strategy. I thought I was uh, the story I was telling myself is this, I was training and I was fit and I was strong and but it, I was just breaking myself and I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it in the moment and. Mm. I think it's so important that you've it's great that you shared that, you know, like over exercising. And I, I think that's a that's an insidious not with everyone, but that's that's kind of an insidious issue that, that it's really hard to see in yeah. in practitioners. Um yeah. you know, more obvious ones are alcohol, for example, or yeah. You kind of say social media. I, I'm in a fortunate position now, like I don't I don't work with athletes, but I work I work with coaches, obviously. But um yeah. I kind of see it as like my phone and my devices are like windows to the world. And so, you know, like I open, I set, I open my, check my emails at 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't check anything before then. Mm. And I shut my phone down at oh, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. So I do have that. And I'm, I know I'm fortunate in that, in that, but like that has helped so much. Cause like you yeah. said, if you, even if you take, just, oh, just check my emails. Once you've got, someone's asked you for something, you read that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that draw. And I, I would say, and you know, you you're you're perfect to speak on this and i would say probably in major competitions or training camps there's element where okay that's that probably goes out the window Mm -hmm. but then when you come back to you come back into a normal environment begin to reinstate those those boundaries on on um yeah that's just been my lived experience anyway and yeah exactly you've you've kind of touched a lot on growth and and you know what what is what is self growth to you? What does it mean to you? Mm. I think, I guess, preempting that was, yeah. you know, um, many of the people I've spoken with perceive personal development. They believe that they're, they're doing personal development. This is where I was as well. Yet, all of that development is is solely focused on technical, <laughs> being yeah. a better practitioner, upskilling whether it's snc whether it's physiotherapy whether it's physiology or data analysis whatever it is mm. they're upskilling in that very niche skill set that they have and and which leaves this huge blind spot to them as a person and you sound so self-aware Evie, you know in the sense of um all these patterns you're seeing and and you know it's I, to me self-aware it's not about being perfect it's just see, oh this is okay this is showing yeah. up right work on this so yeah, yeah what, what's your what's how do you see self-growth and and cpd as well actually development yeah uh, you're right i think the a lot of our society in in this field i think we think that professional development is is mainly the technical side of things and it, it's it's funny because uh, I, I can see there's a, there's a big taboo of like actually going into into like deeper practices like yoga or breath work. I think there's still a lot of like, even with players, athletes, if you like teach them that they're like, mm, the, this this girl is like just likes the juju and whatever it is. <laughs> um, but it's um, it's something that I've been practicing for a lot the last few years and for me, and I think I, I mentioned that to you, I think one of my things that I've recognized is not giving enough love for myself to right. myself. And I think just giving to people and giving my energy and all the time. And sometimes it's draining, like just to yeah. give, 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 give. 
Um, and I started to to realize that I needed to kind of spend more time with myself and and spend a little bit more time kind of learning about myself as a person and being okay. Like I said, when you're in autopilot, it's it's a lonely journey. And I was, uh, you know, I, and I can easily say that a lot of the times I felt very uncomfortable just being on my own, just being like with myself yeah. and not doing anything. It's just like that constant drive for, 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 for distraction. So I think once I realized that I'm working very hard on kind of understanding a little bit of my patterns and kind of, because that will, that will help me as a practitioner, because yeah. if I, if I don't have those skills, because if you're in this industry, you have to understand that's a lifestyle that you, in order for you to sustain that in a healthy way, you yes. have to be okay with being by yourself and being lonely sometimes and yes. knowing yourself because it is a lonely journey. Like I travel a lot and, you know, I don't, sometimes I lose that sense of like having anchor and base. Interrupt this conversation briefly. As the idea and talk around self-growth is one that's growing within elite sport. And so I want to draw your attention to the Practitioner Needs Analysis Coaching Program. The conversations in my research have shown clearly that 160 highly successful practitioners supporting some of the best athletes in the world have on one level achieved a great deal within high performance sport and academia. Yet on a much more personal level, many are quietly suffering to maintain the perception of being successful and happy. This is the inconvenient truth sitting just under the surface within our high performance environments. The cost of this ranges from divorce, absent parent, physical and mental illness, all of which contribute to limiting the performance impact we all strive so hard to achieve. The human element has been forgotten with many top practitioners now finding ways to leave our beloved industry. My research process has spawned the services I now provide to support performance practitioners. Athletes have a vast array of options within their support network to help them thrive, optimize, and activate their full potential. But very little is currently aimed at offering this unique support for performance practitioners. This is where the Practitioner Needs Analysis Coaching Program fills that gap. The Practitioner Needs Analysis allows you to identify what qualities are most important for you to show up in your role, career, and life in your fullest expression. It provides an inner analysis that highlights the components of your life giving you clarity in what is blocking you, how it's blocking you, and what you need to do to release those blocks. This guides you to tailor your goals and actions away from potential burnout, divorce, or illness, and instead towards one where you thrive as a practitioner and in your personal life. This guides you to tailor your goals and actions away from potential burnout, divorce, or illness, and instead towards one where you thrive as a practitioner and in your personal life. To find out more about the group and one-to-one -one options Men Behind Sport offers, visit www.menbehindsport.com or email me at richard at menbehindsport.com. Now, back to the conversation with Evie Casagrande. So, yeah, I told you, like, in, in a week, I'm going to go and do my first kind of personal development trip um, with Altis, which I'm so excited about. And, and I know that it's not going to be anything that is going to be heavily technical, but it's more, first of all, the idea of being in a room full of amazing coaches that, that get, gets the big pic, the bigger picture, you know, and I, and I'm very fortunate from Dan Pfaff, who's been my mentor since 
the day one when I started coaching uh, to introduce me to people like um, Stu and, and Sophia yeah. Nefis. And, um, and I'm very excited for that because they get it. They know the bigger picture. And, and I think, I think the, the, every coach should be able to, to kind of start this personal journey and, and, and be a little bit more with more intent on, on their purpose, on their strategy, right. on not only strategy i we talk about strategy on you know the what they're going to do with their teams but also as their own strategy like what what do they want to achieve and how they're going to get there um so yeah so definitely i think self-growth for me has been evolving as i'm learning more about myself and being uncomfortable diving deeper into my my traumas and my patterns and like and like you said being self-aware and self-regulation is a big yeah, thing right. that I try to teach my athletes a lot is to be able to kind of understand without distractions, like how are you feeling? Like yeah. what do you, what do you need and how, how can we support and facilitate that um, to you? You know, it's so encouraging to hear you say that, you know, cause what you're, how I see it, what you're talking about, that, like, that's a real art mm. of one, you know, to re- relay that information to athletes or other people, but to the art of, of knowing yourself. And uh, it's so important. You know, you mentioned your trauma, like everyone has a trauma, everyone. And, but without awareness of that, and it's not, not to hold, uh, hang around in that, but it's to aware. Well, okay. There are things in my, that I can't even see that are mm-hmm. affecting how I interact with my, myself, my family, the athletes I work with. And so, yeah, like it's just so like, and so that's why I, I I feel it's that's the first place to start. Like we could take personal responsibility of ourselves and our interactions to get to know ourselves more, which then will change our thoughts, feelings, and actions that affect other people. And I, I think the second kind of which it, yeah, it's, it's just it has to start with there. I, I think, mm. but also and also, you know, like our sporting environments. Uh, you know, I truly believe that we call our our environment's high high performance yet most environments requires either us or other people to hold back in some form and Callum Walsh I've kind of I mentioned him quite a lot because I really enjoy his work and he's mm-hmm. doctorate at the moment but he'll talk about self-preservation because particularly in soccer the idea but it, you know it's in it's in all realms of professional sport like the idea of insecurity insecurity over job job security mm-hmm. uh whether it's competition between roles whether it's and so it, it kind of forces people inwards and to pres- preserve their place so they sound good or they sound intelligent or they're the best cut whatever it is yeah and so kind of really bring it into like you know through your female lens mm-hmm. what do you see if anything at all you know as a female practitioner or as just a female as a woman in this world in a predominantly male culture that maybe male coaches don't see about themselves or about the environment, if, if at all, but just kind of through your lens, what do you see? Yeah, I think that's a, you just open a, a can of worms there <laughs> in terms of, because it just makes me, you know, I, I keep going back to this um, idea of um, the job, like you said, the, the, a lot of practitioners will, you know, make specific decisions or, you know, be a different person in order to kind of save their jobs. And I think that's, that's one thing that I really, really wanted to work 
in myself as a practitioner since I started. I'm like, I want to be able to be the most authentic self that I could be. So I'm not in that position of actually having to kind of uh, walk on eggshells. Yes. Yeah. Just for the sake of like the role. So I kind of, and I still try to do that to build a sustainable future for myself um, with the diverse roles, like with that, a huge diversity of roles. Um, so then when I'm in a role, I'm not afraid to say, you know, this is not right. This is, and I did that with, you know, in Brazil, like I, I put my foot down for a lot of things where I would sit in meetings and like, we're not going to get out of this meeting until we actually have an action plan for this, because this is not right. Um, and I was not afraid to do that because if I would lose my job, well, I did lose my job <laughs> and it's like, it, it's fine, but I actually doing everything I, I believe in. Um, so I think, and plus, even if you don't have that backup, you don't want to be working for, for an institution that you don't, you know, it doesn't hear your, your, your values or what you believe in. And that's what I think it kind of ties quite well with the female um thing that you just mentioned and i think when i when i started as a coach i think that because of society putting those labels in terms of like it's always hard for females which i think it is i think in a lot of ways there's a lot of discrimination and we're still far behind um but it is very easy as a female coach to rely on that to kind of almost subconsciously when you're in a role you're already thinking if they don't hear me out here that's because I'm a female coach that's because they don't they're and and I got into that trap when I was at Orlando Pride um and I almost quit um but then I was like wait a minute am I actually going within and the kind of like inside and say am I doing the best that I can to be assertive to actually put my foot down and say, this is what I believe in. And then once I did that, then I realized it was not because I was a female coach. It was because I was just, I was just like not being able to stand on my ground and not being right. assertive to what, and if you're, if you don't do that, and if you don't, if you don't um, put your foot down and actually go, this is how I think it should be. Even, even when you don't think you're experienced enough or know what you're doing, but sometimes you got to, you got to do it to yeah. learn, <laughs> yes. to be able to have somebody saying to you, yeah, look at what you just did. Didn't work, did it? I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I thought it would. That's fine. We learn. Yeah. Uh, but, but being in an environment that can support you to do that, to be able to do that, that's important. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not in an environment that actually allows you to, first of all, be you're like be the expert that you are in your yep. field and just resist to everything you say, or they don't, you know, support you in actually going big and making huge mistakes, then I would rather not be in it in that in that place. So I think that's that's kind of my mentality. I when I go to roles, it's I completely remove that female coach thing. Um, right, right. Because I think that that is very easy to rely on that. I'm yeah. not saying that it doesn't happen. I have a lot of colleagues that have been through, you know, some stuff that is like, okay, that's not fair. That's not good enough. But 
I think you always have to take a step back and first kind of go through your list and like, okay, am I doing everything I can to be assertive, to actually stand on my ground? And, and, you know, if I'm doing that and I'm still, then it's time to move on. You don't want to be in that place. You just want to, you know, but, um, I try to, especially with my uh, mentees, like the yeah. coaches, they're just starting. I, I try to just to tell them, you know, like believe in what you you want to do. And I think it comes also with the the copy and paste thing that a lot of practitioners, young practitioners, and and I was like that. Whereas, like, I never believed in myself enough in the beginning to actually create my own philosophy and my own strategy, right. because right. I think that's what happens when you're insecure. Yes. And you're, you're trying to do that, then it's very hard for you to get the trust, or mm. because people sense that, right? Yeah, right. Mm. right. But yeah, so I think that's definitely is a, it's a definitely a bigger bigger issue. That great. I mean, on that self worth thing, that's low self confidence. You know, that affected me through much of my career. Like just inability, not inability. I, I did it, but just had that fear around saying my philosophy or whatever it was. And I think kind of what stood out to me from what you just said is empowerment again of empowerment of yourself to let go of labels and, and empowerment of yourself and you mentioned you know your authentic your strong self your values like connected to them and i i think how another way i see that kind of once once we're connected to who our true values and then to, to live aligned to them that kind of gives us this deeper yes what you yeah. described like and all i mean by that is it's easy to say, actually, this environment's not for me or no, or kind of you need to make changes when you're anchored to your DPS for your values, for example, what you truly believe in. And um, what you sound, you know, what's enabled you to be that strong in yourself? Kind of, is there anything that, that, has, that has helped you connect to that, just to be, just be, just step into your empowerment to, to be, connected to what you truly believe because mm. it sounds like you, you really you embody that so much mm. yeah I think a lot of <laughs> it took me a lot of patience to go through very unfair situations in the past with like jobs where right. I was like this is not right this is not right to the point that it would take my mental health and physical health yeah um and then I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose here and I cannot drain my energy no more than this. And yeah. this is enough. And I think that's where I'm like, I'm not going to let external uh, things or people to dictate what my worth is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to also be able to be in a position that I could do that yes. and inspire other people to do that similarly because i saw a lot of a lot of coaches um team coaches or whatever where it is completely okay to go through that unfairness and nobody talks about it nobody actually yes. steps up and say yeah. you know guys this is not right and that's why it's been like that and i think we we say that in as a female coach and i'll bring this a little bit in terms of your value your financial value when you go in and you you're going to speak at, at a place and being okay saying this is my speaker fee and then people sometimes go you know and then your male counterparts that might be kind of as successful as you but then 
they are okay like asking for this and if you ask for this similar it's almost like who do you think you are so it was almost for me to kind of get into a position where all right if i push this i'll try to create a cultural change in that environment mm-hmm. if people comes along and do the same but if people don't do it then it's always going to be that and i try it then it's fine like uh, yeah. but i think it's a lot of the things that happens in our industry and that's like poor pay or kind of long hours it's because we allow this to happen yes. and and we and everybody thinks it's okay it's normal until somebody comes and say no it's not and yeah. then we're changing the narrative and then we're changing kind of where things are and if and again if if you do that and they say no then move move on yeah, like yeah. you know like it's not but of course you have to build something a foundation so you you're able to do that financially yeah. um unfortunately um, yeah. that's part of the puzzle but when you do then i think that's where you have the power to kind of push those yeah. standards um yeah. and and i try to do that as as a female coach as as a, just a coach to to kind of put my foot on on the ground and say now like this is not mm-hmm. good enough like and and if this needs to be changed yeah. um and and yeah and it takes it takes a while for me to it took definitely me a while to get confident in actually being okay doing that but um i will always fight for what is what is right and i think that's uh that's something that hopefully i'll keep carrying that uh with me yeah you you truly embody it from from where i see and mm-hmm. you kind of you're a second um person who had on on Pierre yeah, Wenham Flat I've interviewed recently and he was ta- he's talking about a very similar thing you know like creating a, some kind of financial diversity in your financial income mm-hmm. not you know the way he's talking about it not not to you know work a full-time job then go and do this and go and do that but like try and kind of carve out multiple income streams so then you do it's exactly what you're saying you then have the security and the option the freedom i suppose a better option the freedom to then choose where you want to be rather than the sense of a position of kind of victimhood or trapped in a position you'll then have the options to and i and it i don't think it has to be complicated i don't think that has to be working 60 70 hours a week i think it's just diversity in your income and i think your model of your career your practitioner career is one i think could be emulated a, a, a far more you know have lots of lots of diversity and and um and what it sounds like as well but what's allowed you to have that diversity is not to be attached to a certain we've all got identity but not to be so attached to a club or a thing mm-hmm. you're kind of more fluid with that and yeah. you can you know and, uh yeah and then two things you can mention i'm going to bring back to like first of all a supportive environment what not not necessarily labeling the environments but what what traits or what what components make up a supportive environment professional environment for you so Mm. when you go into a team organization what what have you found to be the really important pillars within that Mm. i think where everybody has kind of the same the same what is what do i kind of the same journey that wants to get to the same place that you want and there's like egos removed that it's Mm -hmm. there's collaboration there is um kind of like a common language a a huge important part i think common language 
and uh, an environment that that has a direction that knows where they're going, and it, it it's a, there's values attached to that, right? Uh, not just results, um, just not based on results, but also kind of a strategy uh, where your voice is is heard and it's valued, and there's feedback there's always constant feedback uh debrief systems always debrief systems to get, make sure it's better than the one before um and that you can do your job that you can actually yeah. use your expertise um for what it's for um but at the same time being able to also kind of pick each other's brain to 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 kind of learn with each other. So like uh, for me as a, as a performance coach, being able to sit with a head coach and kind of like, okay, how can we blend our worlds together um, in order to, to bring this, you know? And I think it's, it's incredible when that happens because you, you become more motivated as a practitioner and, and as a person, you know, and, and it's very refreshing to be in an environment like that. Um, and I think that's, that's what makes a huge difference. Uh, and I felt that when I, when I just walked in the, the Irish national team environment is just so supportive and so um, amazing how people, you know, know where they're going and um, it's where you can really be yourself and you're, you're, yeah. you're not afraid to, to be yourself and, and user expertise, um, and, and that's that's the key. Yeah, yeah. That's what what it sounds like describing. Really, you're walking into that environment. It's that feeling you're picking up on. Now, they're probably, and you know, just to summarise what you said, like so values. Like there's a clear alignment with values between practitioners between the organisation. Yeah. Autonomy of your role, mm-hmm. and uh, element of growth, like idea of growth mindset. We all think we're growth mindset, but kind of when certainly in my, my, my world you know like you realize like oh, i'm growth in this area but not an area and it's really just lifting the lid on that and trying to be like let's just let's just talk have an open discussion rather than defending our story and yeah a way into that would be am i trying to be effective in this situation or am i trying to be right am i trying to defend my stance or am i trying to be effective within this environment exactly. and then um blending ideas you know having that open communication between different levels rather than a hierarchical system which mm-hmm. of course headman it's just everyone's in this journey as you described towards a unified outcome exactly. outcome. Exactly. Um, you said some great things i kind of you mentioned your the mentorship and the, and the, the coaches that you do lead because you do run a mentorship as well as as mm-hmm. well as um coaching athletes and i suppose like from the non-technical side of things what do you feel what the kind of the, the non-technical elements that you encourage the people you you mentor and coach, you know, young coaches. What what are the type of non technical skills that you feel are crucial, and that you try try and whether educate or to try and make them aware to to develop in themselves? Yeah, I think to to develop and and find that human side right, right. of them, and like to actually being able for them to develop that self awareness, to develop that self regulation, um, to understand that the confidence will come um, to develop their own philosophy. And I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, it comes with a very impatient mindset. And I was like that too, where, you know, like just tell me exactly what I need to do in this situation. And, and sometimes you just got to like get the principles and figure it out how to 
put those principles in your own environment. Um, so the first thing that I, I ask my, my mentees is, is about their strategies, about their reflect, reflection timeline, where to try to get them to find that really purpose. And, and it's, and it's hard because a lot of the, like, if you, you see so many people doing that, like find your values, find your purpose, right. but to, in, to embody that it's something so hard yeah. that you, th- you have to be able to go through that yourself. So then you are able to teach it. Um, and I think that's where it's hard especially when you you near you do those like cultural things with your company or with your team that it's like what is your values and like it never like it was never i could never understand them until i actually yeah. was like had the aha moment like i told you this year and like oh okay now this is exactly exactly what feels my fire and now i understand what my values are so how do i get them to do that and to have that mindset where it's like, okay, you need to connect yourself, connect to yourself a little bit more in order for you to actually embody that. Um, until then, it's going to be very hard for you to understand how to really merge those two worlds together. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's just kind of understanding that things are not as black and white as they as as we learn in school and yeah. kind of teaching that like the, the the reality of being in in sports the reality of in the mm-hmm. chaos of it mm-hmm. and that you just have to embrace it you just you don't yeah. you can't resist you just have to you know ride the waves and understand that you're going to learn something every day and you just got to keep pushing um yeah. but yeah that's that's way more than the physical side. I think that's way more than it's way more important than and than the reps and the volume and the intensity, all that stuff. For sure, and I, I think you know what I'd, I'd add to that is you know it's one thing to know your values, but and like you said, the the challenge is to how do you live aligned to those yeah. values. And I I think part of that process in in my journey anyway has been to realize where notice when I'm completely out of alignment with them. Because that's again, that's feedback. Like, oh man, what am I doing? How, whatever that's in my personal life or my professional life, whatever. And it just, it just for me, it's allowed this this merging of like, oh, the 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 intention versus the actual how I'm actually the the action that I'm living in my life has mm. come closer and closer just through allowing myself to to make mistakes. You know, exactly. Um, and it's hard to get to that point, but once you yeah. get it, then then it's a little bit easier, um, and it's easier for you to to teach that too. Yes. Um, but yeah. yes. Last question, and it's a big one as well. And and I, what do you see? What stood out for me from our conversation so far is is empowerment, taking personal responsibility, getting clear with yourself, getting getting to know yourself, doing the inner work with the full understanding that's just a lifelong process it's not there's no outcome it's just it's this shedding of layers kind of that's how i see it but from from this from the when you look in if you turn the 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 focus at elite environments the culture of sport what do you think needs changing what if you to pick up one or two things what do you see as the, the the obvious thing that that needs as a collective need to start looking at to begin to initiate that change well, I think that building self-awareness and, and kind right, of yeah, right. self-regulation tools and athletes, because 
if you talk about women's football, it's, and I've seen this very close in the World Cup, it's very overwhelming, the amount of stuff that the media, the pressure, sponsorships, and on top of everything that a player has to deal with and social media, all that stuff. And I feel like if players don't develop those skills, they're just going to burn out. Like I almost burn out as a coach. They can burn out as a player. Um, so I think as, as practitioners that have been through that kind of, they are going through that kind of um, developing that self-awareness and I'm in that path for sure. I'm not, um, I'm not an expert in it. It's very hard for me at the moment, but um but at least if if we can help them develop those tools where they are able to do the small things to kind of disconnect from the world a little bit and to be able to have that kind of space, mind, mind space where they can actually wake up the next day and be the best version of themselves. Because we all know once our, our batteries drain in terms of mental or stress, all that stuff, I mean, you can you can be the best coach and and teach the best you know, coach the best team in the world and and stuff like that. It's not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna you know happen. And um, so I think that definitely being able to to develop that self awareness, self regulation yeah. skills. I think as a practitioner and as athletes, I think that's where we need to go because yeah. otherwise we're just gonna continue to be stuck in 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 methods and and kind of this is how it's supposed to be in black and white and all that stuff and we we're going to keep forgetting the bigger picture um and the world's gonna it's gonna keep going and we're gonna get stuck mm-hmm. in the future again <laughs> yeah. and then not enjoy the process um so easier said than done but i think that's definitely something that i would that i would foresee that that we definitely yeah. to to keep building I agree completely. You know, I, I think, you know, like we're in the business of neurophysiological adaptation, mm. helping athletes to be their best and, that, and kind of the simple things, you know, if practitioners are not sleeping well, if they're not eating well, if they're not moving well, if they're not, their nervous system is amped all the time. Like just, just the, the simple yeah. things like that. You just not going to be showing up as, as yourself, you know, whatever that may be. Yeah. But, um, they are baked into the society. Um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Evie. Um, where, like, is there anything else that you kind of that you've, you've thought about that you want to want to share? Don't worry if there mm-hmm. isn't anything else you want to say. And if not, don't worry. No, I think that's. I think we've, we've yeah, we got everything. Um, and of course, yeah, like you you mentioned, uh, my mentorships. Of course, yes. this year has been quite crazy because I've haven't stopped from rows after rows, but um, I still have my group mentorship going. Um, How does that run? It's it's already full for this year, but I'm opening uh, a new cohort in February. Um, and okay, this will it, go out. On, this will go out in January 2024. Oh, perfect. So yeah, so February. That's when 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 the the new cohort uh, starts and. Along with that mentorship, everybody will have access to my roadmap course, which is kind of like uh, it, it, it. Pretty much, I put everything that I've learned the last few years in, into a course in terms of the human side of things, the physio right. physiology, and more the applied setting. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a work in progress, but um, it's it's been it's been a good journey so far. 
Great, great, great. And where and so I'll put your Twitter handle and your Instagram and your website uh, is just below this podcast. So if you if you're really interested in that and you want to check out Evie, then then just see the links below. And um, yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Really thank you for it. having me. It's, it's been a, a great chat. Thank you for listening to this episode. I just want to remind you, if you did enjoy it, if you're taking some really good takeaways from this podcast already, I want to encourage you, invite you to leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. Your action of doing that is directly going to help this podcast reach more practitioners that need it.